0: Thankful for him today and just thankful for uh, just this time of year and just remembering that he came to this earth and man, aren't you glad he came? I'm sure, glad he showed up. Last week we talked about worshiping with, with shepherds and wise men and just uh, looking at pulling some lessons out of the time of his birth and I, I'm going to go back uh, to that time again. And look at something else today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you want to turn or you can follow on the screen. Just uh, the book of Matthew. uh, Some of his account. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read the first four verses here. It says, now when Jesus was born, excuse me, in Bethlehem of Judea. In the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, where Christ should be born. And today, uh, we're going to talk about responding to the Redeemer. Responding to the Redeemer. I'm glad He came. Amen. Let's pray for the lesson today. Lord, we love You and thank You. Thank You for Your Word. We're so thankful and blessed that You did come to this earth. God, I just ask You today to open our hearts and our minds and give us understanding, Lord. Help us to yield to You, to Your Spirit. Lord, we're going to just praise you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated and a shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. God bless you. Responding to the Redeemer is, uh, you know, you're going to respond uh, to the Lord in some form or fashion. There's going to be a response. Even no response is a response. And throughout uh, his life, people responded to the Savior. And on the the time period that he was born, uh, even the night of his birth, there was a response. We talked about the shepherds last week, how that when they uh, heard the annunciation that a Savior was born in Bethlehem, that they left their flocks and they went out to find where this baby was at and they responded uh, to what they had heard and then responded uh, by going out and telling others what they had found and what they had seen. There was a response to that and and of course the wise men responded also but in the text that we read today we see that uh, there were three different responses, one from the wise men, one from Herod. And then one from the scribes and the chief priest, and it's funny that when uh, these wise men show up, they they get into uh, the city there, and they they get to where Herod's at. Maybe they thought they'll find this king there. I mean, you know, natural selection would be uh, the son of the current king would come up next. And of course, that's what Herod. I'm sure he had plans of that. His a uh, family would continue his uh, dynasty there. Uh, but it says when they heard why they were there, it said not only was Herod troubled, but the rest of the city was troubled. It's, a, it's funny that someone who came to save the world, it bothered people. But it bothers people today. But it's it, they were troubled by uh, what... Uh, they had heard from these wise men. Of course, we know that uh, Herod you know, puts on a deceptive face and tells the wise men in, in verse 8 of that chapter, he said, go and search diligently. Uh, so when you find this young child, when you find him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And so they departed and Herod started his plan on what he would do uh, whenever they came back. But There are three different responses that we find here. One in the wise men, one in the chief priest, and one in Herod. And uh, we'll see that these same responses happen today when you talk about the Lord. People are going to respond. It's always been like that. There was a response to Jesus when he would come into town, when people heard that he was coming in the middle of his ministry Uh, You look to Bartimaeus and see how Bartimaeus responded. He cried out and would not be silenced until he got the Lord's attention and could get his miracle. He responded. When the woman with the issue of blood knew that he was uh, there, she pressed through. Her response was to press through, and if I could just touch the hem of his garments, uh, I can be made whole. There was going to be a response to Jesus no matter where you were. You would either just not respond, ignore it. That's a response. Or you would search him out. That's the response as well. You'll worship him or you won't. That's a response. Uh, Herod was threatened by Jesus. That's why he was troubled. Because Herod knew how quickly, uh, in that day and age, how quickly power could change hands. Uh, when uh, people, man, you read, especially through the Old Testament, man, them kings were getting knocked off <laughs> left and right. And it, and it wasn't always by somebody from another country. Sometimes it was somebody right in their own crew that slips in during the night and took you out, and now they, they're they going to put who they want in in power. It, it was, some kings didn't last very long. They didn't all have them 40-year reigns like David had. Some of them didn't last very long at all. And uh, it would be their own family plotting against them to do that. And Herod, uh, the dynasty before him, it was called the Hasmonean dynasty they ruled for over a hundred years but in three years of of wars and fighting Herod had taken that power away from them and so he knew I've set my own dynasty up and I'm probably planning on my children taking over after me but if they are saying now that there is a new king that has been born and he is king of the Jews uh, it it bothered him and and his insecurity and his paranoia uh, I think almost every king except maybe the people like David and different. some of them just seemed like they lived in fear that somebody was going to come and take this kingdom away from them. And so he, he realized that if there is a new king that has been born, I need to destroy him. Herod was threatened. That was his response to Jesus being born. He, he was threatened by him. But Jesus did not come to establish an earthly kingdom. He did not come here to set up a kingdom and overthrow Herod Many people wished that he would. And even one point in his ministry, it said the people were going to take Jesus by force and make him a king. And he, of course, slipped away and and departed and got into the mountains for a while where he could be alone. Jesus did not have uh, the ambition to set up an earthly kingdom. He told Pilate uh, when he stood before him uh, in John 18, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is not where my kingdom would be set up. But my kingdom uh, is God's kingdom. He, Jesus came to set up the kingdom of God, a spiritual kingdom, the church. And his kingdom would arise uh, within people, within their hearts. Luke 17:21 uh, said that uh, the kingdom of God is within you. The Lord was coming to do something uh, on the inside for us. He wanted us to have something uh, that's why he would later talk about the Holy Ghost and having the Holy Ghost inside of us because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that we have received. And uh, that, that kingdom that he has is a kingdom that loves people, that loves God, loves people. And, and it's not set up in, in like geographic borders. It's not like the only kingdom of God is in Athens, Georgia. A lot of people say this is God's country, but, you know, uh, But if you go to Tennessee, they'll say this is God's country. So everybody, you know, well, it is. It's all of it is because it all belongs to him. But this kingdom is is a kingdom that lives inside of us. Uh, We are that kingdom uh, of people that are washed in his blood and filled with his spirit and called by his name. And uh, we're like that because of our response to the gospel, our response to Jesus. And so This kingdom has no boundaries, no borders. It's a worldwide kingdom of believers from every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And that's the exact picture you see in the book of Revelation uh, when John saw in chapter 7. It said that uh, John beheld there was a great multitude no man could number. All nations, kindred, people, tongues, they all stood before the throne and before the Lamb. And then... Uh, they were clo- said so they were clothed in white robes, palms in their hands. But then it says they cried with a loud voice, Salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. They were worshiping. They were responding. Even then, even there, this great nation that has responded to him because we know that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. You're going to make a, have a response to Jesus whether you realize it or not. But even just like these wise men and these shepherds had come to worship Jesus at his birth, even in that day when things are at the end of, of natural time, uh, he's sitting on his throne and even there we will respond to the one we see sitting on the throne with worship. Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne. And, and uh, I hope, I, I've preached this before, but thinking about John seeing that multitude and I, I preached one time. Did John see your face? I, I don't know how how clear the vision was, but it was clear enough that he could tell that they were from different nations and different tongues. And so, did he see you? Could could he see you there? And uh, man, I, I just I, I hope he did. I hope I was on the front row, waving that palm branch. Salvation to our God. Uh, man, I hope I hope he did see me there. I got plans to be there, but this. Uh, this Herod, this king, this, he was so worried and threatened uh, by Jesus that his preconceived ideas of what Jesus was come to do, he made no inquiries into why Jesus was there. He just, they told him there was a king born, and immediately he's just threatened. They, and so this colored the inquiries that he had about Jesus and his response. When he summoned the chief priests and scribes, he did not ask them, anything about the kingdom that Jesus was supposed to set up. He didn't spend time trying to establish whether Jesus was truly a threat or not. If he had asked them, and then if the priest had really looked into the Old Testament scripture, they could have told him what kind of kingdom he would set up, what Jesus' purpose on earth would actually be. Herod did not ask the wise men what they knew about Jesus. He did not inquire about the star of what ancient prophecies might have convinced them that a new king of the Jews had just been born. Instead of searching for truth, he simply focused on the need to find Jesus and destroy him. It reminds me a lot of Saul and David, that uh, Saul was threatened by David because the people realized how David, it said that David would go in and go out, but always behaved himself wisely. And the people realized that. And, of course, they began to sing that David had killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. So Saul, insecurity, jealousy. And uh, so he said, what else can he take but my kingdom? And he didn't realize what an asset he had in David. Man, what a warrior, a man after God's heart. Man, God's going to bless David and whatever David's doing. Just like uh, Egypt was blessed because of Joseph, uh, man, Saul could have been so blessed to have this man in his court and in his army and and have him on his side, but instead he was threatened. So his response was to throw javelins at David. His response was to chase David and hunt him down to try to kill him, but he couldn't kill what God had ordained, and neither could Herod kill what God had ordained. Uh, But it just made his life for that short few months a wreck. Herod's fear of Jesus it led him not only to reject Jesus, but then he began to spread deception and then uh, re- result to violence. He started out by deceiving the wise men. Just when you find him, oh, tell him where I'm at so, or tell me where he's at so I can come and worship him. I, I, he probably just, yeah, I've got a lot of stuff I'd love to bring him and, and honor him and, and tell him all these things. And of course, he was just wanting to find out where he was so he could kill him. He wanted to do away with him. And then before the wise men, after they found Jesus, before they came back, they were warned, do not go back to Herod. So they left and went to their own country a different way. And uh, so Herod, realizing now that um, he's been mocked of them, they're not coming back, he says, well, we'll just do a blanket sweep of any kids that are a little two years old or under, we'll kill them. Of course, also Mary and Joseph had been warned you need to get out of here and flee. So they fled into Egypt uh, to escape Herod doing this. But how many young people died because of a negative response to Jesus? How many children that may have been great men or, you know, of God and great people that were just destroyed because of somebody's negative response to Jesus? Uh, that is, but any response is going to have fallout. It's going, to, it's going to lead to something. So it's uh, terrible what uh, Herod did. It was, it's terrible the way that Herod responded and the violence that he did that he would just go through and kill all these children. But this world today is full of violence and murder and killing because of people's rejection of the Savior. Just think what, what a wonderful world it would be if everyone just loved the Lord. What if everybody just loved God? No, hey, you know what? We wouldn't need uh, any kind of. Uh, we would need prisons. You wouldn't need. Uh, I, I love our law enforcement, but hey, why would you need them if everybody really loved the Lord and served God? There'd be no crime. You know, it'd be nothing except for get, locking you up when you're speeding. It was, uh, and, you know, I, you know. I know, hey, people that love Jesus, they speed. So don't act like you don't. (laughs) Don't act like you don't get over that speed limit. And um, so pray about it. Make sure the Lord ain't watching you. Sister Ebbart used to say the angels will get out of the car when you you go over the speed limit. So (laughs) I don't know. Uh, So but be careful. I find the older I get, the slower I drive. Uh, uh, That that, that hot rod out there is just for cruising. It don't, uh, I don't. No, ain't no spinning out on that. I want them tires to last. But uh, there's, uh, this world is full of all kind of st- things because of people's rejection of the Savior. Fear uh, causes people to attack Jesus or people who love Jesus. You ever try to talk to someone about the Lord, but they, just like Herod did, they, they, they ask the wrong questions. It's like they're asking things just to provoke you. Or to discredit you, or make you seem like you're silly. Oh, y'all, y'all, them people that can't do nothing. Y'all the people that believe it's you know the only thing you you can ingest is fresh air and it's uh, you know and it's like uh, you know, they, they 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 just begin to mock us immediately because they think that's it's so sad that that's all they see. That they don't realize how, how much we love the Lord and how much the Lord loves us and how much we would love them to know the Lord. And to love the Lord as well, and but people when they're threatened uh, and they have a fear, um, you know they'll try to tear it down because, hey, if they don't talk about Jesus and nobody talks about Jesus, then I have no uh, any responsibility with Jesus. But it don't matter if you acknowledge Him or not; you're going to be responsible for it one day. One day, every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess that He's the Lord. And that will be every believer or non-believer will have to eventually. There won't be no non-believers on that day. So it's true, you know, because people think, well, you know, Jesus is going to come in and and, and tear my life up. And it, it is true that he wants to be the king and the Lord of your life. That's true. He wants to set up his spiritual kingdom in your heart, but his reign does not rob your life of enjoyment. Paul said this in Romans 14 and 17 about the kingdom of God. He said, it's not meat and drink. It's not the stuff that you have here that you can, the tangible stuff. He said, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Man, there's something about that being, we talked about it Wednesday night when you're born again and you become that kingdom person that, Uh, There's Man, what a life, what a wonderful change, and then what a life it is because there's righteousness, and there's peace, and there's joy in the Holy Ghost, and that's what the kingdom of God is inside of us, that, man, we have peace that passes understanding, and and, uh, we have righteousness that comes through our faith in Christ, and then we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're in His presence, and in His presence is fullness of joy, and so... uh, Friend, let me tell you, living for God does not rob your life of enjoyment. It, it, it makes your cup run over. And he, he reigns so he can set you free. And the only thing that he wants to remove from your life are the negative things like addictions, anger, anxiety, bitterness, depression, deceit, greed, hatred, lust, pride, regrets, all the stuff that we carry that burdens us and, and hurts us. That's what he wants to get rid of. He just wants to end that stuff in your life. And, but people are afraid of him because they're, they're they're used to being the king of their life. And they're afraid that he's going to come and destroy that. They want to continue to rule. The chief priest, and now, uh, so we see Herod, that, that'll end Herod's thing. Her, Herod's response was to reject Jesus. To, he was threatened by Jesus, and so he wanted to... Uh, destroy Jesus. Now the chief priest that served under Herod that Herod called in to find out where this Christ or this child this uh, king would be born um, they were indifferent toward Jesus. It didn't bother them that uh, Herod asked the question hey, you know they, the chief priests and scribes the, these men that studied the Old Testament the prophecies you know They knew the scripture. They knew that he was coming someday, but they were not willing to travel six miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to see if it was even true. If you had been waiting hundreds of years knowing that this prophecy is going to be fulfilled, and now here show up these guys from who knows where, hundreds of miles show up and tell you we've seen his star and, and they can look and see because there is scripture. When Herod asked them, they told him immediately, oh, it's Bethlehem, that's where he'll be born. Micah the prophet, Micah 5 and 2 said it. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, thou, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. So they knew this prophecy, and yet they couldn't even be bothered to travel six miles. How many hundreds of prophecies do you think they knew, studied, looking at all the time so that they could be the ones who were the holy people in Israel? And yet, here is a prophecy about the coming Messiah. It's fulfilled. These men are telling them, hey, it's been fulfilled. So instead of checking it out, they just do nothing. They're indifferent to it. What they knew in their heads had not made it to their heart. And, and people mistake knowledge for faith sometimes, but knowledge and faith are not the same. You can have knowledge of Scripture and still not have faith in God. And Jesus told them as much. He said, you know, uh, you think in the Scriptures, you think you have eternal life, so search them because it's the Scriptures that testify about me. And uh, he said, if you won't hear... Me, you won't hear Moses either, because Moses wrote about me, and uh, they. But they couldn't see that they, they 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 had it all this knowledge in their head, and then they decided this is what this means. This is how this is going to work. It's not going to be this little carpenter uh, out of Nazareth going to come up here and start telling us he's the king of the Jews. That's not how it's going to happen. And so, for centuries, the promise of this Messiah. You know, had just lingered. Just they knew it was in the back of their mind always. He could come. We even see in John 4 with the woman at the well. She said, Well when, "I know when Messiah comes." See, people were waiting on the Messiah, waiting for him to get there. And so, for 100 years, they anticipate this day uh, that things would get better because God would come and intervene. And yet, when God manifests Himself in the flesh and steps into our world, Most religious people of the day could not be bothered to spend an hour and a half, two hours to walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to see whether this child is the Messiah or not. Just go check it out. They knew about Jesus, but they did not care enough to get close to him. And that's the fact today is that people are as close to Jesus as they want to be. When someone says, hey, I want to be closer to God, well, do it. Oh, I just wish I could get closer to God. You can. Because the Bible says if we draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. The gap is always, you know, the Lord didn't want the gap to widen. He always wants to close that gap. And so if we will draw close to him, he'll draw close to us. But we're as close as we want to be. And some people, their closeness is, you know, well, I, I I come to service one time a week. That's how close I want to be to the Lord. Yeah, some people is like I I watch church on TV, and that's as close as I'm going to be to the Lord. What we do, people say, "Well, you ain't got to do all that." No, I don't have to do anything. I just, just, you know, how how people say, "I can't stand to hear nails on a chalkboard." That don't bother me, but you know what bothers me? Somebody says, "You don't have to do all that." You know, I don't have to do anything what I do is because I'm desiring to be closer to God. I, I'm not doing it to show nobody up I'm not doing it to make nobody feel uncomfortable I do it because I want to be uh, closer to God I, wanna, I want my life to be more consecrated to Him I, I'm, I'm trying I am constantly trying to see what do I need to lay down what do I need to separate from because I want to be closer to God And that's not to to put nobody else in a negative light or shame nobody. It's my walk with him. I want to be closer to God. I do not want to neglect him. I don't want to miss him. I don't want to miss a word from him. The scripture says Jesus came unto his own and they received him not. He was in the world and the world didn't know him. I don't want to not know him and I sure don't want him to ever say, I never knew you. Because that, cause that day is coming for some people. And I don't ever want to hear him say that. So I don't want to, uh, my response to Jesus to be indifference. I, I don't want it to be, uh, well, if he is a savior, then save me. Mm, I don't want that. So they ignored Jesus. They ignored him when he was a, a baby. They ignored him when he was a child. But when he grew, they opposed him. They opposed him as a man and then plotted his death. When he grew into a man, stepped onto the public stage, powerful teaching, great miracles, they did not become more open to him or supportive of him. They tried to kill him. Now, if, if I was a wise scribe, you know, chief priest, studied in those scriptures and I see a man open blinded eyes then I should know right away that God has come into his people because no man ever opened blinded eyes. The Lord reserved that. You can read it in Isaiah 35. uh, That He said, that's how you will know when I'm there, when these blinded eyes are open. Man, when I remember reading that scripture for the first time, I was like, how can they not see? But indifference will cause you to just or reject if, you, if, it, if you're threatened by it, if it's threatening your world, then I don't care who it is. And it's like that today. If the Lord's going to upset my life, then I don't want nothing to do with him. Yeah. And that's the way uh, they were then. If he's here to flip the apple cart, if he's here to tear my life up, well, then you know what? Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. Let's discredit him. So they, they were always trying to trap him, trick him. Disprove him, discredit him. They, oh, he's working miracles. Uh, he, he's working miracles by the uh, Beelzebub, above. He, he's, you know, he, he's just uh, doing miracles. He's casting out devils by the power of the devil. I mean, he just, he just anything they could to not make people believe that he was the Messiah. Their opposition hardened their hearts, and so they plotted his death. They bribed one of his disciples to betray him delivered him to the Romans, incited the crowds, demanded his blood, stood at the foot of the cross, and mocked him as he suffered and died. And then when the uh, guards from the tomb came and told him, he's gone, they paid him off and said, you don't tell nobody. You tell, if you tell them anything, you say, his disciples came in the night and took his body. That's what you tell them. Tell me anything else, we'll kill you. You know, that's it. That's what you're going to tell them. So uh, what began his apathy... Quickly hardened into outright opposition, and then opposition turned into—it uh, was just as murderous as the as Herod's actions in the killing of all those children. You cannot remain neutral about Jesus. You cannot remain neutral about the Lord. Uh, you're either—you're going to either choose to move forward into a relationship with Him, or you will sink back further from Him and then oppose Him, even on the cross. The two men that were there, that he was hanging between them, they each had a response to him. When they looked at him suffering and bleeding and dying, one, it said, railed on him. If you really are God, then save save yourself and save us. Just do what you do. No, uh, I recognize you for who you are. No, I appreciate what you're doing here. If you are God, then you ought to just be doing this stuff because that's who you are. But the other one, his response was first tell the other guy, shut up. We're getting what we deserve. This man's done nothing to deserve this. And then he said, Lord, today remember me as you enter into, uh, when you enter uh, into your kingdom, when you enter into. And so the Lord told him, said, uh, today uh, you shall be with me in paradise. And. And uh, boy, I tell you, that's a, a, a good response uh, from the thief and it was a better response from the Lord. Uh, you can't outgive the Lord. You give that kind of response to God, he's going to tell you, here's what I'll give you back. And so uh, just like the chief priest, uh, many religious people today, they know the right words to say, but they are just too indifferent to follow through with their actions Uh, The apathy of the religious leaders in his day was astounding, but all too often that's the same apathy that is echoed in our world today. Many people know about Jesus, yet they will not go out of their way to meet him for themselves. In Hebrews 2 and 3, the writer had uh, an insight into that. He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? And it came from the Lord which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord. And then it was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So this was in a fairy tale. And uh, he said, the the writer here for Hebrews, he said, how are we going to get out of this if our response is to just pay no attention to it? You know, when you neglect something, you don't care about it. You just neglect it. You just, you know, it'll take care of itself. It'll work itself out. You ain't got to, murder nobody, lie to nobody, just, just neglect the Savior. Just neglect Him. Just don't pay any attention to Him. Don't seek Him out. Just neglect. How are you going to escape if you neglect that great salvation? You know, people today, they will not even get into their cars to come to church. They will not travel the distance from the pew to the altar. Uh, they talk about living a Christian life, but they will not put his, Jesus' teachings uh, into practice. And the great danger of religion is this, is that if it remains purely an intellectual pursuit uh, instead of a life-changing experience, we get in trouble. Because again, knowledge, all the knowledge in the world, doesn't mean it will change somebody. You can know about him. The Bible says in Galatians 6 that that if we think ourselves, think ourselves to be something, when we're nothing, then we deceive ourselves. And so a lot of people have that head knowledge. They can, man, they can list the books of the Bible. They can quote scriptures. They can give you chapter and verse and things like that. But do you have a relationship with them? Uh, is it all about the intellect? Uh, uh, what we know in our heads must also get into our heart because it says as a man thinks in his heart, that's what kind of man he will be uh, uh then it must flow out to our actions we must live or we end up becoming a hearer and not a doer and the Bible says if you are a hearer of the word only and not a doer of his word then again you deceive yourself because you think you're something when actually you're nothing that's the scripture that says that now pastor told us we were all a bunch of zeros today that's not what pastor said I'm telling you that, that if you read scripture and don't obey it and you think I'm good, I I, I read it but if you don't put it into practice then you're deceiving yourself. Yeah. Fooling yourself, thinking that you're something when you're nothing. Again, deceiving yourself. Because listen, faith uh, here's the thing about hearing. because people say I heard the word. Okay, that's good. Because here's what two things that hearing produces. It does produce knowledge. It will produce knowledge and it produces faith. But the Bible says faith without works is dead. So, So faith can end up withering and knowledge can stay. And then we think we have faith because we have knowledge. But faith will end up giving way to knowledge if we don't act. If we don't put our faith into action... We just end up having a knowledge of what to do, yet we never do it. Hello, that's I, I don't I don't want to have that kind of uh, apathy toward the Lord and toward what He's done. I, I don't want to uh, Him say, "Man, I, I, I gave you this, and you just hid it in the earth. You didn't do anything with it." And so I don't. Uh, I don't want to be like Herod. I don't want to have the response of rejecting him and being threatened by him and trying to destroy him. I also do not want the uh, response of these chief priests where I'm indifferent toward him. It doesn't matter because I'm going to do my own thing anyway. Uh, I want to have the response of the wise men. The wise men, they were not uh, Hebrew. They were not Jewish. Uh, And they were from the east and they were drawn to him. You know, the chief priest could not be bothered to travel six miles, but these wise men from the east had traveled hundreds of miles to find him. Uh, They could have been robbed, injured. They traveled across harsh landscapes and deserts, thirst, hunger, uh, all kind of things simply to find Jesus. They saw that star in the sky, and they wanted to worship him. And then when they found him, of course, you know, like we talked about last week, they did not find him enjoying the shepherds that night at the manger. When they found Jesus, he was already a young child and Mary and Joseph were living in a house. And they came to the house of Mary and Joseph and they found the child. And it says that when they found him, that they came in and bowed down and worshiped him. Now, because they are from the east like that, uh, the word picture that you get here is that um, one of what's called salam. And that means to kneel, stretch out your hands in front of you, and then touch your forehead to the ground. And that's what they did when they came into that house. And when they would do that, this bow acknowledges a potentate or king. And so they were actually acknowledging that Jesus was their king. Our king was, he's. He's, the response is going to be there. You're either going to worship him or you're not. You'll either be drawn to him or you'll walk away from him, but there will always be a response. Now, Jesus did not come to earth only to be the Savior. Thank God he's our Savior, but he is the King. He, you know what? He's always been the Savior. Before he ever stepped onto the earth, before the earth was ever formed, he was already the Savior. In the book of Isaiah, the Lord said, I am the Savior, and beside me there is no other Savior. So he's always been the Savior. Guess what? He's always been the King because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's eternal, and he's always been the King. He's always been the Savior, and you can't have the King without the Savior, and you can't have the Savior without the King. Well, I want the Lord to save me, but I I don't want him messing in my life. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want him to rule over me or rule in my life. And, and so, uh, you know, you can't have either or. You're going to have both or have none. It's going to be both. So he didn't come just to be the Savior. He came to be the king as well. Uh, as a Savior, Jesus died. He was buried, rose again. In doing this, he broke sins, chains of slavery, and ushered us out of bondage into his kingdom. We are born again through his sacrifice we we're baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost. We we're born of water and spirit. We are born again. We have become kingdom ready. I wish everyone that was here now was here, had been here Wednesday uh, so you could have heard about that wonderful change that God has made in our life. Uh, that was part of it. You need to get on the podcast and check that out if you wasn't here and then realize what he can do in your life. But as in any kingdom, there will be a give and take relationship between the sovereign and the subjects. And as our king, Jesus has the right. He has the right to send us as ambassadors back into the kingdom of this world, into the enemy's kingdom, with a message of hope to everyone who is still enslaved. As our king, Jesus has the right to call us up uh, in his army to military service against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness in this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then also as our king, Jesus has the right to establish laws for us to live by within his kingdom. You can't live for God if you don't live by his word. That doesn't, uh, uh, let me say this because people like that, they think they've found a loophole. Well, God loves me. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what you do, even if you blaspheme against him against the Holy Ghost that unforgivable sin you can do things that are unforgivable but it doesn't stop him from loving you but the scripture tells us that God will not clear the guilty he didn't say he wouldn't love the guilty he said he won't clear them and so God loves us regardless so don't ever think well you know I don't have to do that because he loves me anyway he does but his word is forever settled in heaven. And as much as he loves, he's, he's done his part on showing us that he loves us. But he said, if you want to prove your love to me, keep my commandments. And so, and uh, he didn't say, pick your 10 or 12 out that you like. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Salty this morning, ain't he? he just, Whew, 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 whew. I'm just telling you, you, you can pick uh, just pick ten or twelve out you like and, and do what you want. It's a, it, it ain't this ain't like an insurance. This ain't like uh, open enrollment where you can pick your plan. <laughs> it's always open enrollment with him. You can get, you can get into this at any time, but the plan is the plan, <laughs> and, and you you get the plan like it is. Uh, no they, custom, this ain't, this ain't Burger King, have it your way, or whatever they used to say. This is, this is, this is the king of kings. It's going to be his way. That's it. Never changes. i got to find where I'm at. I've got to get down here. Y'all, y'all ready for me to go? So uh, also as our king Jesus has promised to protect us, provide for us, listen to our appeals, answer us, deliver judgment and justice on our behalf. He came not only as our Savior to bring us out of the devil's kingdom, but also as our king to offer us an infinitely better alternative kingdom to dwell in. And here's the thing. If you acknowledge him as your Savior and are called out of darkness into his marvelous light, you pulled out of that kingdom of this world, but then you don't acknowledge Jesus as king and enter into his kingdom, then where are you? Because nobody can live in no man's land. You can't say, I'll let him save me, but I won't obey him. Save me, but I'm not doing what you say. You can't, you can't do that. Lord, save me. You can't do it. You can't have it either way. It, you, he's the Savior and the King. And so you can't just live and set up your own little kingdom somewhere and say, I was saved by the Lord, but I do what I want. It don't work, and it ain't Bible. And when the wise men came, we talked about it last week, they did bring gifts, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, things that uh, symbolized his kingship, deity, and the sacrifice in which he would make, um, and probably provided a source of income for Mary and Joseph as they fled uh, from uh, Bethlehem into Egypt. So things that they could live on while they were trying to escape Herod and what he was doing. When the wise men came, they did not say, we put all this time in, traveled far, endangered our lives. Now what are you going to give us? Instead, they sought Jesus, they worshiped him, gave him their very best, and they did not ask for anything in return. And so just like the wise men, we too are called not only to seek Jesus and offer him worship, but also to open up and give him our best gifts and not just I know this is a time of year where people are all about uh, giving presents and and things like that the the uh, symbolism of the gift of course is always uh, portrayed at this time but not uh, like I said before Jesus did not come to establish a holiday Uh, you know I'm, I'm thankful that people will remember him this time of year but he didn't come to set up a holiday and so not just at this time of year but For the years to come, what will we give to Jesus? Will we give him our time, our strength, even our finances, uh, our vehicle, our home, our talents, our gifting? Will we use these things because we think, well, these things are mine, but we don't have nothing of on our own. The things we think of being ours really come from him in the first place. God makes a way. They all belong to him. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above comes from the father. So it comes from him freely we have received freely we should give. And so how do we give this to Jesus and you can stand with me and honey you can come to the music. How do I give gifts to the Lord? How do I how do I give these gifts and and so we must remember that you know we do not uh, discharge our responsibility simply by putting something in the offering plate when it's passed. That's part of it. We should give Uh, We should pay our tithe And we should give offerings to God When the Lord blesses us We should bless back Bless the kingdom But Jesus said in Matthew 25 and 40 That In so much as you have done it Unto the least of these My brethren you have done it unto me When we bless others When we meet the needs of others And when we are reaching out to others and, and taking care of other people, helping other people, doing what we can. It, does, and it doesn't mean always giving, you know, sometimes it is giving clothing or food or, or even helping someone financially, maybe, but just giving your time, giving your concern, praying for someone, showing love towards somebody, having compassion on people. The Lord said, you know, visiting people, making sure they're okay, you know, checking on them when they're sick. Doing little things like that, he said, when you do it to them, you do it to me. So that's how we can uh, give to Jesus when we meet the needs of others, because you don't have nothing physical that He needs. You know, He doesn't live by money. He doesn't. Uh, he, he doesn't have a bank account. He's not. He's not in fear of overdrawing or being overdrawn or. Not, the world is his and the fullness thereof. He, he, he has a supply. So, but for us that love him and for us that serve him, we, we bless him when we bless others. And so we need to, to remember that today that, you know, even he said in his word that that would be the, the I've thought about it before, the dividing factor. There were some that he would move off to the left side and some to the right. But those to the left were those who did not do unto others. And So I want to make sure that uh, my response to him today is for all that he's blessed me with is that I'll turn and bless somebody, that I'll be a blessing to somebody else. Amen? Let's lift our hands this morning and just ask the Lord to help us. Lord, how can I be more like you? What will my response be to you, God? Lord, we love you and praise you today. God, we thank you in this house today. And Lord, we're so grateful that you did come to this earth. And Lord, thank you for the sacrifice that you gave, that you gave your life, shed your blood. Lord, that you filled us with your spirit. God, help us to be good stewards of the gifts that you have given us. Use them for the kingdom, use them for your glory. Use them to be a blessing in this world. God, we're just going to praise you for this life that we live for you. Help us to draw closer, God, to have the right response. Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. What a great God. Appreciate the Lord. He's a great God. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you for being here in Sunday school this morning and just Looking forward to a great time in the next service. So find a place to pray before the next service. Let's see God do some great things. Amen? God bless you.